hello and welcome to podcast number 16. Incredibly, it's about six months since we last sat down together, Richard. Sorry, I should have said this is Matt here and... Uh, Richard Chesterwood. Yes, it does. I'm very, <laughs> very sure of your name there, Richard. You having a bad day? Uh, so I'm, I'm having a great day because I've been invited to the countryside <laughs> for a working away week. Yes, so I I used to work for this big bank where you had away days and that meant you went and worked in another office somewhere. So we're having a few days away in a beautiful The middle of nowhere. It it genuinely is. There's no electricity. Well, there's electricity, there's Wi-Fi. In fact, there's Wi-Fi, there's there's internet with faster speed here than I get at home. Yeah, true, but we have very basic (laughs) recording equipment, so I'm sorry if this sounds really bad. Well, talking of, of weird sounds, we should also explain that we've got a dog, pet dog with us, and if there are strange noises in the background, that is the dog, it's not Richard or me. And I'm drinking beer. Well, that's a, yeah, <laughs> that's going to lead for an even more enjoyable podcast, let's hope. So what do you have in store for us this six months, Matthew? Um, well, I wanted to talk a bit about the question I think we must get asked more than any other question. Is that true? Before you say what it is, is that true or is that something you've just made up? When I tell you what the question is, you will know instantly that that is 100% true. Alright. And that is, what version of Java should I be using? Right. And it's normally people who are new, they're just starting out, and they are given the choice as to whether to be downloading Java 8 or Java 11 or 12 now, and that will be part of the conversation, yeah. um, and they're confused, and or they've just gone for the latest version of Java, and then they're yeah. trying to do... And you would be confused, I'm just thinking back to things that I've learned over the last few years. The first thing you you met with is, well, what version should I be yes. looking at? So I'm trying to think what, what similar... Uh, Ang- Angular would be a good one. That's uh, a, a real confusing mess of version numbers. And you, you tend to look at, like, the highest, wherever the highest number is. And if you're looking for an online course or something, you'll, you'll buy whichever course has got the highest number. Yes. Which, in the case of Angular, is confusing. There's a fork of, you know, there's two different Angulars. Yes. And I'm sure it's true for lots of other technologies. So, okay, Java is confusing. Um, it is. Oh, and, and I was just finishing that sort of thought. It's the people who have just gone and downloaded 11 and then they can't get Spark to work. Right. And so they're saying are completely confused. And I'm sure we've talked about this before on the podcast but I thought it might be worth just going a little bit deeper into the bit about different versions but also different vendors and there's been a change definitely since we last talked about this around the release cycle. So it would be worth just mentioning that. Mm. So um, in fact, let's start with that point. So we talked when we talked about this before, which was when the version numbering changed, and so they moved to this release cycle of every six months. And at that point, the the decision was announced by Oracle that they will provide long term support to every third version. So that, as I'm sure you're aware, has now changed to be every sixth version. So eleven has long term support, but the next one that will get long term support is seventeen. And that, I think, is scheduled for March 2021. So, version 12 is out, and 13 will be out in six months' time. 
And amazingly, 13, 12, 13, 14, 15 and 16 are these interim releases that as soon as the next version is out, that's it. There's no, there's no more support. There's no guarantee of any kind of security patches, mm. any of that kind of stuff, um, which is an even more bonkers situation mm. uh, than we had before. Um, it's a real mess. It really is. We have a long-established numbering system in this industry and why they choose to ignore that. Um, It's just plain arrogance that, you know, they can't use minor... These are clearly minor point versions. And they're... they're, I mean, I I don't know who made that decision. I mean, no, I don't think anybody does, really. This is not in the public domain, is it? No. I've seen... I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people from Oracle doing presentations and talks and things, but, um, you know, they're just, they're just representing this decision. And um, I'd like to know who, who made this choice. Um, they have a long track record of making bad choices for numbering in Java. But this, this has just gone hyper bad. Well, it, it's Oracle's decision, obviously, around what they're going to provide long term support for, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And that's fine. Um, but I think it just becomes the fact it's now going to be every six versions just exacerbates how crazy the situation is. Mm-hmm. That if you're a business running, or even if you're not a business, if you're running something on a production environment, mm-hmm. your natural upgrade path is now eight, eleven, seventeen. I'm trying to count 23 that is just completely Mm -hmm. bonkers Mm -hmm. um so but that's where we are and you know we have to live with that the the there are other questions though as to whether you go today do you go with 11 do you stick with eight and i think that's a bit more straightforward because that's about do you need to use some kind of framework that isn't yet compatible with 11 plus Mm -hmm. um and certainly in terms of what we teach the obvious one is apache spark um i've been out of spark for a while now so i haven't looked they're definitely yeah they're they're definitely not yet they actually have a thing on their website that says that they're hoping to have a version 9 plus as they call it because that's when the break is uh, a 9 plus compatible version later this year later this year right but of course it's the uh, removed unsafe yeah. Uh, libraries that are causing the problem. So how they're getting around that, I don't know. Um, no. Um, when I last researched, all I could find was one GitHub issue, which didn't seem to have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of activity on it. Mm. I mean, it was just kind of an open, yeah, we, we need to do this. But yes. no... Um, so, so I'm not deep into the detail of it, but certainly that's their current status that is later this year. And, and it is as vague as that. Not, they're not giving mm. any kind of more concrete timescale. Mm. So the 8 versus 11 bit is a bit more straightforward. Um, obviously, there are... Well, I, for the course that I'm currently working on, which we'll talk about later on, I'm actually preparing the opening workspaces for both Java 8 and Java 11. Um, right. Just because the process of opening a Java 8 uh, workspace in Java 11 means you get an extra step that's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And of course, if you've created the workspace in Java 11, then you've got to start deleting files to make it work in Java right. 8. Right. So, okay. you know, fine. Um, one of the... but So there's, there's that issue. There's the issue about uh, Oracle versus OpenJDK, okay. so, which is primarily around the, the fact that the Oracle 
um, JDK now will require a license for use in certain mm -hmm. circumstances, which will include on a production server. Um, and we've talked about that before. Um, but there's a slight further issue, which I don't think I'd really got to grips with before, which is that the open JDK binaries are provided by Oracle. Mm -hmm. And when the, and I haven't checked this, which is a bit naughty, I probably should have done before we started recording, but I, I'm led to believe that when the Java 12 binaries are placed on the website for everyone to download of the open JDK, they will be removing the 11 binaries. Right. So if you come along in six months' time and you want to deploy the OpenJDK to a production server, it's not going to be easy to go and download the binaries. Right. And so the way around that is the project called Adopt OpenJDK, mm -hmm. who are committing to provide the yes. binaries, including the security patches, going forward. Okay. So if you are running, as we as a small business are going to be doing, running Java 11's OpenJDK version on our servers, uh, and certainly not the Oracle version, because we can't afford their licenses, um, we'll be relying on the Adopt OpenJDK project to, to maintain that and keep that up to date with the security patches. I don't know about can't afford. Um, no. <laughs> there's no purpose to, for, for us to have it, and probably a lot of projects have no purpose to have it. I'm not sure. I mean, you get long-term support, insurance. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I would. Well, I, I agree. I think unless, yes, if you're a major corporate who likes the idea of having somebody to sue, uh, then you, you, you might well want to be paying the Oracle mm. fee and you might think it's actually good value. Um, but yeah, I mean, I say no, I can't afford as in it's not good value for money for us. So yeah, it's not any value for money, is it? Um, if I... Yes, if I, if I was giving consultancy as well, I wouldn't be... That would be at the top of my list of things to... Uh, I, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm sort of... Uh, it's not my area of expertise, that. But, I mean, I'm, I'm installing tiny containers, which are running, you know, just tiny... Yeah, you certainly wouldn't need an Oracle distribution for that. No. So. But, but if you've gone with the OpenJDK, then it's your responsibility to be patching it and making sure that mm -hmm. you're regularly updating that to the latest version mm -hmm. of security patches. Mm -hmm. um, and if they're not easily available, which, well, they are, well, they are easily available, but not from the standard site. So it's uh, the, uh, we'll probably include a link, I guess, to this in the notes to the podcast, but it's the Adopt OpenJDK project. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll be absorbed by all of the um, Linux repositories as well. Yes, that's so, true. Yes, um, of course. Hmm. It's uh, and 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 you've just got to think about containers now. So container images will probably all be built on top of, you know, a well-supported uh, Open JDK version. So. That's kind of what I was, I was hemming and whoring a few minutes ago, and so I don't really understand this area very well. And it's because everything is so much more complicated now than just the old days where you had a great big snowflake server. I'm sure a lot of organizations still have this, of course. I must remember that. But, um, you know, it's not a case of you just bring in a, a massive set of licenses and apply it to a server and, and all your attention goes on that server. If you're dealing with containerized applications, you, you're working across many, many instances in clusters and many, many different container images. And, you know, so you're not 
you're not like buying in licenses to it's it's a different different architecture yes I, I can't get excited about this is what I'm trying to say it's fair enough terrible isn't it well you can't get excited because you understand and see the way forward as it affects mm. us and our architecture yeah. um, but you know not everybody out there and that's why I wanted to talk about it is that yes. we're being asked about it so clearly yeah, it's still a topic of... uh, for us as a bit so talk about uh, by the way one of the things we're going to talk about later in this podcast is what what's actually the main subject of this podcast and I'm always conscious that you know it says Java on the title and then I go and start talking about our business so we'll, we'll come back to that and remind everybody what what the what the aim of this podcast is but talking about our business so we, we, we're very different to a you know an average an average um, computer industry project but we feel the same pain as everybody else maybe in slightly different ways maybe we have slightly different symptoms but you know we have we have a very good suite of Java courses, and yet we we also now have a, a massive wave of customers who think all of our courses are out of date and on the scrappy, <laughs> simply because the version number has changed. Well, you know that hasn't really affected. I mean, you you you'll have a lot more details on what it has affected. But you know the fact that oh great, there's a new switch statement in Java 12, doesn't mean that. You know, if you're learning about objects or whatever, or classes or packages, it, it really frustrates me that. Uh, well, it's, so it's interesting. So, yeah, the one of the things I've been looking at is what in our library are we going to need to do to just keep things up to date? And certainly, as an example, the Java Fundamentals course, which covers all those basics of programming in Java, I think at the moment needs one extra video at the beginning explaining that as far as the fundamentals are concerned, what this course covers, I think, is Java 6 through to 11. Nothing has changed. Yeah. I think it should have a, a section on, on Jigsaw, though, in a fundamentals course. So, so yeah. I'm going to upgrade it for that. But I think well, we the, need to... Um, one thing we can do on this on this working week, actually, um, and we've got a few other problems to solve, but we should be a lot more loud and proud about our versioning so on every course it should say this course supports these versions yes we need to just kill this argument so your, your java fundamentals course should say this supports every version up to java 19 yeah, okay. yes <laughs> the, 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 I that, yeah there's a few things actually because the, the bit on lambdas that we have isn't in fundamentals and probably should move in there uh, the time java time libraries that came in in java yeah. 8 they should be in there so there's a Brilliant. few other little changes yeah, but, but, the, in, yeah. but the point is that those are new and additional topics that need to go in everything that's there is still valid and nothing is broken nothing's changed yeah. with the exception that if you're running java 11 you're going to have this additional one file called module info.java that's it so yes we've got some extras to do but um and actually we'll talk in a little bit about uh, the the structure of what i'm thinking will change slightly in terms of our courses uh, as part of that going through the one course where things are broken and i will go through it and i'm only going through it because we have 
have a one customer who relies on us for this is the Android courses. There have been some changes in Android that, and they're not that big to be fair, but they do break things. Android is effectively using Java 7 with limited Java 8 syntax, um, but it doesn't run in quite the same way. So we'll not bother talking about that right now, but that's the only bit of our library that I can see that's broken. Uh, There's quite a bit on my side that is there? sort of somewhat broken. So I'll talk about that later if you're okay. interested. But, uh, so I think you, you were excited that there, there is Java 12. There's some. Well, just, just before we get on to that, just the last thing on versions, as I just want to mention, because it's something I actually, well, I'm going to confess now, I've never thought about, wasn't even really aware of, which is that we all use the hotspot version of the virtual machine there is an alternative uh, there's probably more than one but the main alternative is called eclipse openj9 um, which if you go through the adopt openjdk website you can download java 8 or java 11 built with either hotspot or openj9 and they are 100 percent compatible other than possibly you with a with a jr oh heck with a, with a with a with a runtime that it, it, includes yes so you you you're choosing the JDK the development kit with a Java virtual machine built in with a particular that's either hotspot yeah, or OpenJ yeah. yeah yeah I see what you mean by built on now I thought you meant the the source code oh no 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 yeah, okay. so that's with the exception of some runtime flags they're compatible um, and I guess why this is interesting for me is because I am two-thirds of the way through my next course which is all about performance and of course it might well be that using openj9 gives you better performance in some scenarios than hotspot which is the reason to be interested in looking at this stuff i so, know a lot of people will be interested in that mm. they'll be well i'm not going to talk any more about that for two reasons one that i want to save it for the course and two that I haven't written that bit yet so i don't know anymore but um but again it's just there's a huge it just adds to the complexity about versions and what you should be doing i mean i guess okay that bit is about running it rather than developing in in terms of if you're going to write code it doesn't matter what you're using mm. but of course if you're trying to uh, deploy optimized applications that are going to run super efficiently with minimal downtime minimal delays that you know being aware of this is is critically important so mm. i worry that um looking around at other languages it, when a language reaches a certain level of maturity all of a sudden then they start rowing about versions and it generally signifies the end of that language <laughs> And I'm not going to name languages because I'll offend people, but we can think of many where all they talk about is versions and you realise they've just lost lost any sense of direction or motivation or why we're even doing this. But what could Java do to bring this back, right? So if okay, you were... Nothing. It's finished. <laughs> no, nothing. Nothing. And there's not, certainly nothing we can do. So well, no, we, we clearly. We can watch and enjoy it. But I'm sure there's some very influential people listening to this podcast, right? Are they? So, and I'm sure... <laughs> even if they were, they wouldn't, they wouldn't listen to us. And I wouldn't know what to do either. Maybe it's a natural part of the life cycle. Java has had marketing people driving it for years, and we have gone through a, a similar but far simpler. I mean, it was bad enough, but when we moved from Java 1.4 to 1.5, I'm sure I've referred to this many times on the podcast previously, um, it was days after its release that suddenly uh, it would have been sun then. Yeah, 
it was in the Sundays. They announced, oh no, we're going to call it Java 5 instead of 1.5 because it was seen to be lagging behind other competing mm. languages. And it caused absolute chaos because, as you touched on, it made it look like a massive jump from one to the other. And it stopped people upgrading for years. But something that's interesting, and I, I don't think this is true, but it was said on a YouTube video by another Java instructor who has quite a big following. And I think he probably just got his words wrong. But he said that as features come in in, say, Java 12, 11, 13, 14, particular ones could be integrated back into new releases of Java 11. Now, I think that's rubbish. I've not seen anything anywhere else that says that and it doesn't make sense he's suggesting they would backport features yes. to earlier versions that's what he's Java. saying to, back to the last of the long term support versions I was amazed when I heard that I watched it three times why aren't you saying uh, who this is I, I don't can, think I should be naming off. what a competitor that's you know, well he is a competitor but no I don't think I should be dissing our competitors that's not I good for I you're dissing you're just saying what he's suggested well okay it's, it, we'll but, put a link in the description <laughs> below. you always have to point down when you say that even though there's no video camera on me I'm pointing down pointing down there'll be a link in the description below you know, I, I'm not going to name the person well, well, I don't I think, think that's we should link to that video I certainly want to watch it and oh, okay, well, it's it's Tim Buchalka then. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, so we're oh, we're trying to. Um, I, I I can't see that. I can't see that would happen. No, it doesn't make any sense. But I I think he he got his words wrong because what I think he was trying to say is that um, things that came in Java nine and ten were then obviously included in, 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 in experimental features, became standard features in 11. I think that's what he was trying to say, but he got it the wrong okay. way around. It didn't make any sense. Anyway. Well, everybody's so, confused. Yes. Everybody is. And, um... and, and if you are a, a, one of those sort of slow-moving organisations, like the banks, who are like not us. going to be using the latest technology... Like us, we moment, are a slow-moving organisation. Yeah, you're right, Because actually. there's a small number of us... We cannot. We cannot have a department sat there all day, constantly being on top of this. We've got like business to do. We've got customers to talk to. We're busy doing business. And we also don't have anything... There's never been a feature come out in a new version of Java yeah. that has made us think, wow, if we had that exactly. feature, it I would revolutionise our are, business. Yeah, I should, I should be clear about that. We, we, are, we are as excited by new toys as anybody else. It's just apart from Jigsaw, that would be the, the one big exception. Java 9, 9, 9. Yes. Java 9, Jigsaw, that's huge. That's a, a big change, a, a big. I'm not saying it's good, by the way, but I'm saying that is the kind of thing that we would get excited about. Well, apparently in Java 12, they've enhanced the switch statement. Is that right? You've yes. been studying that? I'm like burning your material. <laughs> no, it's fine. I only mentioned this to you because I know how much you love switch statements and yeah. I thought you'd get really annoyed about it. I'm not. In the <laughs> this is exactly what Java should have been doing years ago. It's, you know, incremental small improvements that make the language more pleasurable to work with. So all credit to um, Brian Gertz is leading, leading that. He's leading yeah. many of these JSRs that are going into the language. It is a good thing that they have... What we basically have now is a six a six monthly build that we yes. get access to. That's good. I'm not complaining about that at all. It, it's just the way it's been marketed is is a, is a disaster. These point releases, yes, which is what, exactly what they are. I guess the other thing just to think about, though, of course, is that you know we have 
applications. I was putting this in an email to somebody the other day. You know, there'll be loads of companies out there that have applications have been built in just they've been written and compiled with Java 6, Java 7, still work absolutely fine. So that source code's never been touched. Yeah. But of course, they're being run now on the Java 8 virtual machine or even the Java 11 virtual machine. So they're benefiting, say, from the new garbage collection algorithms. So can I ask them, this is something I genuinely don't know, um, and, and I, and I, again, I think I, I, I have a reputation now of kicking Java all the time and being very, mm-hmm. I, which is a, it was a terrible shame. It's just those marketing decisions I'm, ha- I'm having a go at. It's a fantastic thing that Java has maintained its compatibility exactly as you've described for so many years. It is fantastic that they they haven't. I mean, I do think they should have had a program of deprecations in the line in the library i should say yeah. uh, where old cruft has been removed so I'm, I'm slightly critical of them of that but the the other side of that coin is it is amazing that i can run a program written in 1997 and it will run on a modern jvm with a modern uh, library and it, it will even though i'll be using old classes like vector and um, and stack and it will still work. Yeah. And when you compare, I, I think very much the modern, the modern way now. I get this impression working on, you know, the, the big modern libraries like Kubernetes and, and Spark. Even is that they are much less bothered about that level of compatibility. And they will break things from one version to a number, uh, one version to another, and uh, yes. be a lot more cavalier about it. The, Definitely two ways of thinking there, because if you if if you break things, you're more likely to be um, um, creative, and you're going to be pushing the edge, and you're getting rid of old rubbish. Java went for the opposite of approach to be to being conservative. Yes, and whichever one's best, I'm not sure, but I'm very but proud it, of Java for it, that. In a way, though, the virtual machine has to be because if you've got to update your virtual machine for security patches, at some point, you know, you you can't now go and install. If you've written code in Java seven and you have to have the Java seven virtual machine, you can't create a secure environment to run that in. Now we were burnt when we created a website in Grails one and found upgrading it to Grails 2, let alone 3, yes. so painful yes. because of those breaking changes. Yes, Grails was an absolute mess of its evolution, frankly. Um, but, I mean, you say it's got to, it hasn't. You say Java has to do that, it, do, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't, I, I think... It, think of VB6. Well, uh, okay, so Java has to do it, I think, because of the number of companies who would be complaining and suing and moving away and Oracle would lose a huge revenue stream. So that's why it has to do it, and other companies who are providing support. But um, but the question I was going to ask is, I don't know if you know this, I haven't tried it, and it, I'm, I'm leading up to a confession here in a minute. Yeah. This is a, there's going to be a big confession. Ooh, get excited. You'll edit it out, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we agreed no editing on this podcast. Yeah, apart from my big confession. Um, if I take a... If I if I run that nineteen ninety seven program on a Java eleven uh, VM, and I'm thinking all that jigsaw stuff, uh, am I breaking there? No. So you you the as long as you haven't used any of the unsafe uh, packages in Java. Okay, so that's the big. Yes, that, and of that's course, the big I breaking the, I bit. I had the answer to the question myself. We know from Spark that you can't run Spark yes. on a. 
Hmm. Now that there is, it, does, it will run, won't it? It will just crash when you. Yeah. Okay. So, com.sun.unsafe has been removed. Yes. So, if you use that, then you will not be compatible. Yes, but but, and and there will be potentially other third-party libraries that you might have used that again will not be because they've used some obscure they class that's been moved. Well, if they themselves depend on com.sun. Yes. There must be something a bit more to that because when Java 9 came out, it took a while for Spring so for you to be able to put a Spring Boot project in Java 9. Well, it will be Spring's dependencies. Spring has a massive dependency. If you're running a Spring Boot app, you've got a right. gigantic dependency. And that would include so some things that have got the unsafe. once right. have used it. And okay. It was standard practice. I'll, I'll admit I've never gone into... Uh, it's not... Con- it's sun.misc.unsafe, isn't it? Yes. Uh, so that's doing things that are technically illegal in the JVM. Yes. Unsafe memory access, things like that. And um, many, many frameworks argued, well, we have to do that. It's an absolute requirement to do that. Yeah, I'm not sure whether there are also some more standard Java or parts of the standard Java libraries where the packages have moved for the odd class. Oh, I hope not. I I don't know why. Something in my head makes me think that there could be... Um, anyway, we can. Uh, we'll put a link in the description below. Oh yeah, that gets us out of anything yeah. like this, doesn't it? If there's an, I I don't think I might be wrong, um, but it sort of leads me to you were going to ask me something, and I was going to lead you up to my big confession. So I was. I'm trying to remember what I was going to ask you now. <laughs> uh, you might have to. Do, can you remember what I was going to ask you? Well, just got to confession, really. Which okay. Is, um, as I, and it's one reason why maybe we've not. I don't know why. You're... Sorry, I'm, I don't know. I've got. To, I don't know why. It's just, just popped into my head. Those American films where there's a confessional box, and it always starts with the person saying, it's, "Father, it's been six months since my last <laughs> well, confession," yeah. and it's six months since our last podcast. It's, it's so confession time. And I wonder if, <laughs> if one of the reasons why is this. Um, so I'm all obviously when a podcast comes around, I think about what what can I talk about in the Java world that. Uh, and I've realised I'm not, I don't use, I'm not doing any job. And I haven't for a long time. So two years ago, it's hard to believe, but it was two years ago, we went on a way day to London, to the London Java community, which bizarrely on a Saturday afternoon, were doing a session on Jigsaw. Yeah. So it was our first hands-on with Java 9. It was really nice, fancy building that we were giving up your Saturday to do that. I just Absolutely. can't believe it. There were like 30 exactly. people there yeah. working on a Saturday, which, you know, we're sat there smugly because we're aware every Monday off to make <laughs> And I, I, I was crafty because it meant I could, for the first time, watch the London Marathon live the next day. It's the day before the London Marathon. So nearly two years ago, and that was first hands-on with Jigsaw, that's two years I have not touched it. Not once have I loaded up. A, I, I did a little bit just for a blog post, actually, to show the new type inference in Java 10, I think. Um, so that's the only time I've run up a, a post Java 8 JVM. And um, I haven't touched Jigsaw since. So my question to you is, what on earth are you doing having me on on a podcast called All Things Java. 
it's some it's somewhat suspicious, isn't it? Well, <laughs> I'm going to have to ask you the question. What on earth have you been doing for the last two years? Well, you only have to look at the courses that I'm doing. Um, I'm sort of following my nose with modern software development practices. And it, I mean, the, the main thrust of what I've been doing is microservices, of course, which, as predicted, many organizations are now getting themselves burnt on. And I'm, I'm feeling the first uh, waves of microservices are really bad. This is our company <laughs> used them. And we've, uh, we've been put back years. Yep, told you so. But um, I've been enjoying working on microservices for the last two years. And several things come out of microservices, one of which is don't care anymore about the implementations of a microservice. You've got a requirement to uh, do something. I'm going to build a microservice for it. In the old days, of course, we used to have to have standards in a company or a project. We're going to have this language, we're going to stick to this version, and as an organization, we'll all get trained in it, we'll all, we'll all move in lockstep with this particular technology, and then we're going to have to have all of the stuff around deploying it and operating it in the field. When you're moving towards microservices and a more devops style, it's more like, well, who cares what language I use for this microservice? Because it's the, in the old days was, oh, we've got to support it. How do we support this? Who cares with the microservice? You run it. If it breaks, you throw it away, build another one in its place. So I might be on a project and I might decide, do you know what I fancy learning Golang this week? I'm a, and Golang's a great language for a microservice. I'll stick some Golang in this microservice. I then go under a bus or I leave the project and somebody else has to maintain it. In the old days, yeah, they'd have had to maintain it and there'd have been lines of code we daren't touch, we daren't go, no, you've just binned a lot of it. Bring in a new microservice, choose your language for that. So that's one of the reasons why all this stuff about Java versions in an app, you might have a job, old Java 6 microservice over there that's never been touched. It works just fine over here. We're using Java 13 because we want some, you know. And that's why I'm no longer that into particular languages. So, well, that just tells me then that, that Java is exactly the right place for you to be in because as Graal comes along, yeah. um, that will allow you to integrate all these languages together seamlessly within the Java. No, I'm, I'm talking rubbish. Well, I'm not talking rubbish, actually, but... Um, yeah, that's one, that's the, one way of doing things. It, well, an organisation that have gone down the microservices route are kind of... Do, basically, what you're doing is you're doing modularity at the hardware level. And it's not really hardware, it's all virtualized, of course, but that, that's the way you're thinking. You've got mm. containers, we don't care how they're deployed, we just throw these containers into our cluster, and we don't care what the instances they're running on, etc. Now, with Graal, you, you, you're doing sort of JVM-level modularity. Yes. And this is similar to um, technologies like OSGI, that, although that was Java-only. Yes. You have little Java modules collaborating. So it, it's... Um... Sorry, I'm interrupting your flow, but what do you have any sense of what proportion of the Java world is doing microservices? I don't. Everyone, everyone, whenever something is being heavily talked about in this industry doesn't mean it's being heavily used. Yes. Um, 
and you know we because I always say this there's no there's no statistics or figures or reports there are organizations like Gartner and ThoughtWorks do their radar as well I'm always suspicious of that because again they're talking to their mates and they're talking to people who are so we could for instance say we we regularly go to Java meetups mainly in the north of England but uh, London as well so we can get a feel from them and a lot of people talking about microservices many are implementing them many are complaining about you know well it's it's not really as easy as people make out but again that's not a representative sample people who go to meetups are generally people who are leading their field and pushing yes. forward so no i don't have a sense at all i would guarantee that the vast majority of java projects are running monoliths and and, and have heavily patched snowflake servers and all that kind of thing i'm not even saying there's anything necessarily wrong with that if that works for them um but my sorry go i was gonna say because my, my sense of certainly when i was in industry if you like is that most applications are small monoliths and they do you know they've been written to do a single task like manage people's expenses or you know just some business function and they work absolutely fine and yes they're small little single applications that are a website with a bit of logic in there they sit on a server somewhere work perfectly well mm. and that's in my sense is that's an awful lot of what there's a lot there's is. a lot do that and they don't get the headlines the, the ones who get the headlines are the Netflixes and not yes. even the, not even the Netflix scale ones but um, organisations that regularly show up at our north of England um, mm. meetups your auto traders uh, and um, I'm trying You're to thinking of to trade rental cars those sorts of people yes. now these are these are massive estates on the internet they are they are big yeah. and they you know so that they're bigger than what you've just been describing and my sense is that those sorts of organizations definitely are in at least interested in microservices or at least have invested in moving down that line yes and um, we've got to be careful I mean there is no point if we're running a training business where we're teaching modern practice and so on there's no point aiming that at a at a printing shop who are still using a VB6 app and I'm happy with that I'm, I'm, yes. I'm trying to say I'm not being snobby about it but um, you know they don't need training courses because it w already works yeah absolutely but we are trying to cover both sides so if you think about our library and this where we are as a business we are trying to teach the fundamentals of programming we are trying to teach how you uh, build a website and we're trying to teach them the, the DevOps side. I was never that comfortable with that side for those things. I wanted a job fundamentals course just so we could we could give an easy path to people wanting to become. I I still maintain that our business is aiming at full stack developers. That's a term that started going out of fashion a bit now. Oh please. Um, <laughs> all all developers who want we're aiming at developers who want a really good long career in the industry, not yes. people who just want to hack out. I keep picking on VB6. It's not fair, is it? VB6, great language. But, you know, I, I always think back to when, when I worked in defence and there was one guy, I'm not going to name him. I'd love to put a link in the description. <laughs> but he, he, in my mind, is, is my vision of what I would never want to become because he he had joined this company because he loved Pascal right and he was told at his interview 
that the ADA language is based on Pascal. They used ADA. So he was, oh, great, I'll join this organisation. And he discovered to his, his horror that Ada's not like Pascal at all and he couldn't just use what he'd learnt at university. So he had to learn something new. And he was so resentful of that, he did nothing but moan about how Pascal is superior to Ada for the next 10 years or whatever. As I wouldn't be surprised if he's still there now, still complaining about. So I think of it in terms of you know it's like a like an unemployed lamplighter who's waiting for gas lights to come back. You know yeah. it's never going to happen, and you've got to move with with that time. So I always have that kind of developer in mind. So there's nothing wrong with having introductory routes in, but we are always aiming for the full stack. You've got to know a lot about a lot of, th of things, but not necessarily the old days of being an expert in something is, is sort of long gone now. So my, my, I mean, the phrase I always use is that people who learn with us should become confident and competent developers, right? Which, and to me, I know you're making a face of that, but that's about, yeah, having that confidence that you do know what you're doing. You've got a wide range of skills. You can... Uh, attack most problems or know how to okay. uh, how to have a go at it but then you've said full stack there well we don't have any or very much in the way of the front end side no and you can't you can't you can't do everything just the, those developers can't you need to know a lot about a lot of different things the reason we don't have a front end course is we haven't got around to doing one yet we absolutely should have some JavaScript. We've said this so many times yes. on the podcast, haven't we? Can I get back to where I was heading with this? And that is, so I feel very... I've annoyed you there. Where I, I probably feel um, just reticent to be appearing on an All Things Java podcast when uh, I haven't done any Java for a while. I'm using Java everywhere, of course, but it's sort of secondary importance. And I was the one who came up with a name for this podcast as well. So it's entirely my fault. So are you going to be suggesting a different name? I think forward? the podcast is wrongly named. Yeah. Okay. So when we set out, which was, what, two years ago? At least. Not done bad, look actually. It up. 16 yeah. episodes in two years. I think it was May two years ago. Keep, might, keep talking and I'll check. Might be three years. Um, my idea was... I mean, we work hard already making scripts and things, so we don't want to be having to write a massive script for this and preparing for it, but we have a sort of informal team meeting anyway. So I stole the idea from John Spolsky and Jeff Atwood. When they were setting up Stack Overflow, they turned their um, team meeting, which was just a Skype talk. Is it three years? It, no, it's, so it's May, May 2017, so it's just oh, under two years, actually. Wow, amazing. Um, yeah, they had a regular Skype talk, and they said, tell you what, let's just, let's just stick that out as a podcast. We've got to edit it. They had a bit in the middle where they talked company financials. They cut that out. Everything else just left in. Right. And they called it the Stack Overflow podcast. So when the, this idea came up, I said, let's just do that. We meet anyway. We talk about stuff. And so we'll have everything in it. We'll have programming, the problems of being a software developer. We'll also have the, the, the perils of running the small business. Okay. And we'll throw all of that in. And we'll see how it progresses and develops from there. Okay. Which is exactly what we've done. But it was me uploading the first one. I said, what should we call it? Oh, I'll stick all things Java on it. Look at that. Shot myself in the foot. 
Okay, well, we can always rename it. That's never a disaster. So the question is, what's the name going to be? But we'll be thinking about one, one, I guess, unless you've got an idea already as to what you'd like it to be. I always have in my head, I mean, I know not that many people listen to this, and that doesn't matter. That's fine. But um, I always imagine in any park books, we're always annoying half of the audience. There'll be some people who are interested in running the business, which is what we do mo- most of. We do that more than software development. Yes. And that's a difficult, tricky thing to do. And the big audience, we didn't really need two podcasts, probably. Yeah. But, uh, but exactly, plenty. exactly. I'm not writing <laughs> it, that's the thing. So I think if, if our current listeners are happy for us to mix it up and just do what comes to mind on a particular meeting, then I'm happy with it. But I think a, a, a name change might be possibly in order. But it's a bit of a mess. So okay, well, we'll think about that oh, one. What a mess. What a mess. I'm sure that's been taken. I'm thinking about, can we not do a not... You know those, like, GNU is, GNU is not units. You know, something is not all things Java. We'll think about it. Um, okay, right. Interesting challenge there. So where does that leave us today, then? So Well, we haven't talked about... We've both mentioned basically what we're working on. So yes. It's a common thing on this podcast, which often leads to interesting technical stuff. You have you have taken a hot potato wrapped in a I can't go on. You have taken like the worst possible job I can imagine. <laughs> and you seem to be handling it with some aplomb, although you won't let me listen to your rushes. So. No, I don't dare. Uh, that's Java performance. So Is that what you're calling it? No. Um I well it's difficult this. So the, a bit of history. So we have At the moment on our website, a course called Java Advanced Topics, Mm -hmm. and included in that is a whole section, I think it's the biggest section on that course, it's about three and a half hours of video on, I think we call it Java Memory Management, but a better title would be How Memory Works in Java. Or a simplified view of how memory works in Java Okay, that will be enough for any good developer to be able to get on with their job and that's the title of the new course so so and it's difficult, but, one, it's difficult. It? It really and to be fair hard. that that course or that part of that course is also on a couple of other websites we sell it through other organizations just as the memory management bit um and it's very popular it's one of our most popular it's products. by far the biggest smash hit yeah. we've we've had by a country mile it's one of those things where you never know what's going to be successful and and you know you, you wouldn't have picked that as no. that will be the, the standout hit I think it must have sold five ten times more than the nearest, uh, the I, nearest I, I would have thought so I would have thought so so uh, that is recorded using Java 7 mm-hmm. and it felt like because it is so popular and it's so widely used, we really need to yeah. make sure that's up to date and so that then became well actually it doesn't do, it's not memory management, it's, it is this how memory sort of works. And so what I wanted to do is first of all take it and expand it a little bit, talk about some of the changes in the newer versions, cover off some of the things we didn't talk about around, um, I mean, we, we made the point on that course that um, this is a simplified, as you've just said, a simplified description. It may not be 100% accurate. Well, I've, 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 the new version, if you like, has a chapter and it says, okay, so here's the bits that make it, that, that, that 
mean that it doesn't quite work like we've been explaining it. So I've taken that, I've updated it, I've expanded it a little bit, and then I've basically trebled the content by adding in all sorts of other things around how to make your applications perform well. So this covers, I mean, I think there's five parts to this, there's six parts to this course. Uh, it's going to cover um, what happens within the JVM when your code runs. So that's things, I mean, primarily around native compilation um, and uh, which is, for those who are not aware, um, if, if you wrote an application in a language like C that you could compile to an executable file, your underlying operating system knows how to execute that executable file. With Java, it doesn't know how to execute bytecode, so the virtual machine does it. If the virtual machine can natively compile your code, then effectively you get the same benefit as if you'd written it in C. That's a really high level bad explanation, but it's an optimization. Let's just say that. There's an optimization. In theory, it should run better than C because C can't be optimized because no. it's already compiled. Okay. So, um, so, so there's, depends so there's, on the benchmark. So there's a, yeah. So there's a bit about those optimizations that the virtual machine can do, and how you can tune them to work better for your particular application. So that's one part. We've got the memory management part. Um, I've actually split out garbage collection for memory management, and we talk about that separately now. And we talk about the new garbage collectors in a bit more detail. And again, more about how to tune them. Mm -hmm as well as just what's there. Yep. Uh, so the focus is much more on not just this is what happens, but why that's useful to know and what you might be able to do to make things work better with that knowledge. Yep. Um, we've got a whole section on measuring performance. So if somebody says your application's not running very quickly, how do you actually measure that? So how do you then find what's going wrong and how do you attempt it? So that's using profilers. That's a, a great example. Um, uh, so you were having a go at me earlier for um, my full stack sales spiel and oh, we have, you haven't got any front end stuff. I think far more important is that's the kind of thing I'm thinking of. Mm. A, 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 a developer should should have some exposure to profilers. Yes, you don't have to be an expert in them, but you should at least. And would you, you know what? You, you, you don't have to be an expert in them. I mean, we, we in this course we're using Java Mission Control, and. If you take what's called a flight recording by the course, if you want to know more about that, the, the, the front screen, after you've done a recording, the profiler tells you these are the potential problem areas in your application. And that's a mixture of this method is being run an awful lot of time. Yeah. There are threads being blocked over here. It gives you... The art, though, is interpreting that, isn't it? And often that will... The thing that's the top bottleneck is not necessarily the thing that's well, the problem. It's, absolutely. It's art. It, it is. And, you know, what we do on this course is we use that together with a benchmarking tool called JMH and we see that you can take the information from the profiler, make a change and make a method much more efficient, put it back in the application and the application performs worse and then we go through the cycle of understanding yeah. why that is. So so yeah, so that's a whole section around that which I think will be, I've really enjoyed writing that section I've got to say. Um, there's going to be a whole bit about how programming choices that you make affect performance. Um, when you read any of the books on performance, they always start with benchmarking. And that is, you know, if you're if you're going to use, should you use a string builder or not, right? And you can measure the performance of string builder. And I do, I'm doing this course the other way around, right? So actually, um, you know, benchmarking can be an awful lot of time, a complete waste of time. And 
um, right at the end of this course is when we look at, well, actually, does it make a difference and why? But we're also going to go in a bit of depth around different collection types and, again, the impact of performance based on what you're trying to do as to where, what type of collection you should use, um, primitives versus objects, uh, whether streams in Lambda streams give you better performance than a traditional Java-style loop, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. And then there'll be a bit around the future, so I'm going to talk about Graal Virtual Machine. Um, there's going to be something... I haven't written this bit yet, but it's going to be something about using non-Java languages and what happens should should Kotlin give you better or worse performance than Java. To, to understand that, we're going to look at some of the bytecode those languages produce um, and something around what's coming up. So, there's, for example, there's a new experimental uh, garbage collector in Java 12, so we'll talk a bit about that. But th that's what we're covering. So it, I'm, I'm trying to write this very much as a... If you know and get this stuff, you are absolutely at the top of your game as a Java developer. Mm -hmm. As well as, if you're told this application's not performing, you need to find and fix the problems, this will help you, give you a steer as to what you should be doing and how to do it. So that's the rough plan for this course. And I'm hoping that will be out around mid-April. Okay. We're getting close to the end. Okay. And what you've been doing... I'll be the first one to buy that course. <laughs> I'll take your money now. Pre-order it, Richard. <laughs> no, I'll buy it on the day of release. But, um, yeah, I will be first. To, since you won't let me see your rushes, then I'm going to have to buy it. But I'm too scared you're going to watch it and say, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. <laughs> As you normally do. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you're not denying it. You always so. go on on this podcast about how you like feedback. Apparently, you don't like feedback. <laughs> you don't like from you, no. <laughs> so what have you been working on, Richard? Well, by feedback, you mean lavish praise, don't you? You don't mean feedback. Yeah, that's quite correct. You yeah. know me too well. I'm having a terrible time, and probably the worst time I've had since starting in this game, really. It's just been awful. Um people may have I don't know if anyone's noticed that there is a lack of releases from me at the minute it's just gone quiet um, so I'm a bit uh, I, Kubernetes has taken a lot of my time and energy and I love Kubernetes I'd say it's my thing but um, so I, I released a couple of modules on that last year and they've been very popular I'm very successful, but the questions that I'm having suggest there's a big hole in that material. Now, I think when I set out to record that course, it was aimed at um, people wanting to get started. You know, I don't even know what's square one of Kubernetes. I don't even know what it's about. We're about an hour, aren't we? Okay. Five minutes. You're um, doing it that <laughs> No, not editing. <laughs> um, I think I did, did a good job of that, but unfortunately, at the end of those courses, I don't think you're really equipped to actually administrate a Kubernetes cluster. I didn't intend it to be that. And I think in my head, I'm imagining that I'm talking to people who have just joined a project that has a Kubernetes cluster. Somebody else is maybe administering it. And your job is to get your software deployed into the cluster. Um, but clearly all the questions I have are generally about how do I dot 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 and it will be something cluster management related so I've realized there's a big hole in it so I, I set out thinking well this will just be a little patch I'll do a, like a one and a half hour video just saying these are the things I forgot to do and it's turned into 
I think I've got about 10 hours of raw footage at the minute just lying there <laughs> waiting to be properly edited and the more I do the more I'm being asked and the more I'm realising well, I missed that as well and I missed that as well and what I'm very very conscious of is we have a very diverse audience at Virtual Pair Programmers and I don't think there are that many people waiting for I think Kubernetes is overloaded now in our library we don't need more Kubernetes in the library and yet I'm now on as you know if you've done 10 hours of material you're not going to junk it you're yes. going to finish it and you're going to release it even if it's not satisfying the customers. So this is a kind of extended <laughs> apology to those customers who are probably wanting things like Ang Angular I'm being asked for a lot. Uh, but I'm stuck on this Kubernetes like whirlpool and I'm desperate to get out of it. So that's why I'm going to get away. When I get away from here, I'm going straight home to finish recording and get that out as quickly as possible. I've very craftily put on our website, we're ready within the next month. <laughs> within the next month. So whatever day you read that, it will be within a month. <laughs> but it might not be. It's, it, it happens occasionally this, where I realize that I'm not satisfying people, but I can't stop. And I, for my own, for my own satisfaction and my own learning, in fact. So I've hit a few problems. I'm working on a live Kubernetes cluster right now, and I've realized I've hit many situations where my cluster has been hosed. It has just been locked up. And I might think, well, what do I do next? It's not covered on my course, so it should be. So, You're looking very gloomy. Uh, well, so, no, just for the, if you had a bit of a strange background noise, that was the dog has just got up from a bed and started wandering around. So, which might be telling us it's time to end the oh, podcast. What a shame! She, she I, might I, need to be let out. So. I thought she'd been enjoying snoozing all the way through that, as <laughs> of all our audience. Listening attentively, I think. I've got to say one last thing though: is that um, microservices is a big part of our library, and I think an important one. And unfortunately, and very sadly, I think um, it's about three years old now. That material. It's aged far quicker than most of the rest of the library. And um, I'm afraid it was, all, it was all very close to end of life, that Gosh. course. I mean, it's past end of life, really. <coughs> Excuse me. I think it's still a valid course. Right. If I was starting on a microservice journey, I would absolutely recommend that course. As we keep banging on about, everything we say is still valid. Yes. It's still 100%. It's just the tools aren't necessarily there. So a brilliant example is Hystrix from Netflix. One of my favorite libraries I've ever worked on. I found it an absolute joy to work with. Don't need to talk about what it is here necessarily, but um, it came from Netflix and they've abandoned it now. They've said no more maintenance on, or have they said we're only maintaining it, I think. So they basically closed down that project which is a bit of a shock, really. Um, but it does put into... I know a lot of people will be looking at our course and saying, hang on, you're teaching Hystrix. That's now redundant. Yes. Now, I'm not really... What I'm teaching is circuit breaking and why circuit breaking is important in a distributed system. Hystrix just happens to be one circuit breaker. So that's still valid. That's still fine. But um, it's... So are you going to do a bit of a review and upgrade and re-record of the bits that are... Yes, but I'm under no illusions about this one. I'm not going to make the usual mistake of thinking it's just a patch-up job. This is a total, from the ground up, 
But microservices uh, called Subversion Power Coronas by the end of this year will be in the bin and there will be a whole new brand new one built from scratch and it will reflect today's working practices. Right. I'm starting work on this in June and it will take up the rest of the year. Okay. I will aim for virtual pair programs to release it in modular form. Right. And it's going to be a kitchen sink course because obviously people are again you ask about where where is where is the front end on our full stack? Yes. Well, we also don't have anything on um, serverless. Obviously a huge thing. Yes. We kind of do have stuff on serverless. It's just not that obvious that it's serverless. But we need to absolutely push that to, you know, the front. Yes. So I'm imagining this new course will be a series of modules looking at different aspects of microservices and modern development. Right. And a whole swathe of that will be... Um, how to how to go serverless. Gosh, okay. And there will also be an interim, a smaller module coming up on Istio in June. Is right. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, which is well behind schedule, but I'm still aiming for June. And um, yeah, I won't even talk about what Istio is now. We're both staring at the poor dog now, who's clearly it's, wanting to go out. And she is relieve so, themselves. Uh, well, I think our, our customers will need to be relieved from listening to <laughs> our listeners while they're listening to us drone yeah, on for an hour. It's so a, it's a messy podcast because we're messy. We're messy. We're running a business, and we're 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 trying to keep up with lots of technologies as well. And it's exciting. It is. But um, we might rebrand them by the next podcast. Well, we'll talk about that. But I think we might be talking a bit more than also about, I like the idea of talking about, you know, what what are our business challenges and what are we doing about them? And, you know, that's... Because we get a lot of those. Um, You know, we've managed to go the whole time we've been doing this podcast and not mention Brexit. So we'll not oh, mention it now. There will be no but, mention of Brexit. <laughs> so we won't say Brexit. Um, But, you know, that presents some challenges. And actually, that you know, those are potentially things that, that some people out there will be interested in you never know right well I'm not that I mean not Brexit we're not talking about that yeah, but some I'm of the other challenges I will exit the room for that section of the uh, and if anybody's interested in being a guest um, a guest on the podcast just drop us a line as well we really do want you know uh, I, I do anyway I want to hear your voices as well absolutely I mean if we if we end up going to that model of doing it as little Skype conversations we can easily do it that way with a guest we don't have to all get together necessarily face to face I didn't mean literally Skype they were on the opposite sides of Okay. So. Well, I'd say so. Anybody, if you're if you're local to us, which is, means in the north of England, then yeah, please get in touch. And if not, we'll do it online. And if your initials are JP, and we were speaking to you before about coming on this podcast, then I'm trying again. <laughs> I'm begging you, please come on, and I want to talk to you about struts. Right. Well, there you go. You know who you are, and and we know he'll be listening. So, <laughs> and and we'll be asking you about it at the next Java meetup we see you at. Yep. So there you go. There's your threat. Right. Good. Well, I'm sorry, listeners. There's been no real rant from Richard this time. It's a bit of a rant, but not proper rant. You've supplied beer this time. That's why. I'm, I'm, right. No beer next time. It's warm, coffee only. I have a warm glow around me. That, so. <laughs> That's a lesson for me. The next podcast <laughs> will be beer only, and it'll be entitled Richard Chesterwood rants. Right. This was going to be podcast number sixteen but inspired by Java's numbering system we're going to now make this podcast 1.16 the next one will be 1.17 and then we're going to move to a format of the year and a number so it will then become 2019-1 being the first podcast of 2019 even though it'll probably be the third one that's the plan for the numbering for this podcast going forward can we have an enterprise edition as well 
Can we charge for it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>